The colony grows around you. Everything looks beautiful and communal. You love your neighbors, your friends, your new family. You've flown about 7,700 miles to get here. Your new Mecca. The place that is going to save you and everyone you know. It's isolated, gorgeous, and you don't look like anybody else. God will save you and deliver you. This is just your penance to him. You close your eyes to confess your sins, but everything is a sin. Nothing is yours, but it's all his. Welcome to the colony. Suppose God has decided to reap his crop and lead all of his lambs off to slaughter. I didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot. Paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. The beginning of a new world. <laughs> the best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Black, Black Cat, Cat Report. Report. See you on the other side. Welcome to Black Cat Report in episode 79. I'm your host, Joey, and with me is the galloping, giddy, gallant, grandiose and gifted gil hello 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 everybody joey told me that my video is glitching which matches perfectly with my shirt let's get weird let's get weird we have an exciting first episode for you today as our first episode of 2024 we also have an announcement that gil will be part of a new podcast take it away gil Yes, so our friends, Joey and I's friends, Kristen from the Paranormal Girl podcast and Damien from RKB Paranormal slash Life Beyond Six Feet, um, we're all joining together and, you know, by hook or by crook, we're also going to convince Joey to join eventually. I will see. We're starting a... <laughs> <laughs> we're starting a new podcast um, come early February called Beers, Brews, and Boogeymen where we're going to talk about all of the paranormal and high strangeness that we absolutely love and obsess over and open up the lines, let people call in, let people chat. Let's, um, you know, we're really trying to push for developing more community this year in 2024. And we want to hear from y'all. It's not going to be some crazy, super structured, you know, like really intense weeks and weeks of research. It's just going to be folks coming together to talk about the topics that they love and to discuss it with the overall paranormal community. So that's coming in early February. And I know what you're already saying. You're already asking yourself, Gil, that sounds fantastic. Where do I join? How do I find it? Well, after we record the episodes, which will be airing live, um, I think right now the plan is on Ooh. Saturdays. It's going to be up on YouTube and things like that. So you can watch it live. You can find it on all of our channels. We're sharing all of the content amongst us so that we can share it with all of our listeners. It's not going to be any type of gatekeeping or like exclusive, you know, channel or anything like that. We're just making this because it's what we love and we're going to be sharing with everybody. But I know we're super, super, super stoked about it and um, more details to come. But I really, really hope that y'all love it. Enjoy it. It's kind of our way of taking our internal text message group and like actually starting to just record it because that shit gets fun and it gets really, really weird. And um, yeah, if you can't tell, I'm very excited about it. So and, please join and us. And I've seen the group text and <laughs> it's going to be exciting and fun and interesting. And I will say that I will maybe, possibly, maybe, who knows, be part of it sometimes. Yeah, there, there actually is a hint in the artwork that we're developing for the show. 
<laughs> for Joey. I don't I don't quite want to give away the exact hint. No, don't give it away yet. It's fine. Yeah. But, you know, if you look closely, Joey will be there. I'm always there. <laughs> but just yeah. like in the text group, and I'm just kind of watching. It's kind of funny. Anyways. It's kind of creeping on the side. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for it. It's going to be really fun to listen to and maybe be a part of. We'll see. Yes. But... We also wanted to give a huge shout out to a store in the town I was born in, Fredericksburg, Virginia. It's called Possibilities, <laughs> and there is no better store where you can pet and meet the wonderful possum, Oliver, and he's just in the store in a cage, just chilling, and you can walk up and pet him. It's amazing, and I love this. Oh, it was so amazing. I got a picture with him. We'll maybe post it on the uh, Instagram yes. a little later. We'll see. They have awesome t-shirts, vendor booths, some cool stuff, some merchandise. I bought a t-shirt that fit with last week's episode, and you'll also take a picture of that. We'll put that on the Instagram too, so it'll be fun. And if you are in the Virginia area, please go visit. Yes, dude, that, I'm not going to lie. Like you, Joey sent this to me like two or three days after we released that last week's episode, and I was just like, holy fuck, that should have been the cover to last week's episode. <laughs> It's too yeah, it's timing, I guess, right? I love yeah, it. Yeah. So the link to their website and Instagram will be in the show notes, so you guys can look up where they are, what they, you know, what they do. Uh, a lot of stuff they pretty much adopt, you know, um, possums. I think they have a new animal coming in, which they kind of hinted at. So it might not sure what it's going to be. Might be a cool little, you know, raccoon or something like that. I don't know. Hell yeah! But they do great stuff. Well, anyways, let's get to the subject of today's or tonight's show, depending on when you're listening to it. Colonia Dignidad, the Chilean Christian cult. And I do want to note that the references used for this episode and part two, because there will be two parts in this series, are a documentary called A Sinister Sect, Colonial Dignidad. It's on Netflix if you want to take a take time to look at it. It's pretty crazy. You get to actually see the people that were in the cult which is crazy, and they talk about everything that happens, so it's very interesting, and there's a lot of uh, footage from them, which is very weird for a cult to have a lot of video footage in there, which is interesting. And we also will have a lot of website resources in the show notes. Also, the last sentence in the intro was from a poem by John Fenton McLeish. Um, so I just wanted to also put that in there because I was... You know, the part where it's like, suppose God has decided to reap his crop and lead all of his lambs off to slaughter was from that poem. Hell yeah. So, cool idea. Yeah. Well, today we're going to delve into colonial dignidad, or in English, the dignity colony, which as we will find out was the complete opposite <laughs> of dignified. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the actual cult, it's important to get the context of how it came to be. Colonial Dignidad was not the only cult in itself at this time, and especially wasn't the only Christian cult. So at this time, and a little earlier, a man named William M. Branham, who I had like just went on a tirade to uh, Gil about <laughs> <It's true. laughs> earlier, reading and listening to some of the stuff. It's 100% true. <laughs> he is seen as the father of most of the splinter Christian cults that started after World War II. Oh, uh, I called him the Pentecostal prophet because I love alliteration. True. Um, he also he his uh he's a leader of a group called the Message, and the Message is interesting because it's not necessarily a group of people, 
but it's just the group of his, uh, what would you say? The group of his, what he believed in and what he preached. And the people behind it kind of took that as their group name in a way. Um, even though he didn't really, he really didn't like try to create a group of people. They kind of created themselves. So he like low key went like the Jesus route where all of a sudden his like apostles actually kind of like picked up the torch and like, you know, started making their own groups, started doing their own thing, mm-hmm. started saying like, hey, this is Christianity. Like, and it was like, Jesus never walked around saying, you are my last name now. Like that didn't happen. He actually spoke out pretty heavily against churches. I mean, which I'm assuming is different than this dude. Yeah, he he did a lot of awful stuff. And again, like I also did research on William Branham, the both sides of it, because I went to his own website, williambranham.org, I think it is, if I can remember, and try to get context of how he believed he was perceived. His idea was that I didn't create these cults. I didn't create these these sinister cults. I just created the bond of ideology and the people coming together for this. And yeah, in necessary, it's like saying the way, you know, the highway to hell is paved with good intentions, you know, and that kind of thing. But he necessarily wasn't a great person. So he was actually a really bad person, which I'll explain and his associates and how he became to the person who would be this the reason why I'm describing this guy too is because mm-hmm. he would be what creates uh, colonial dignidad. That he basically is the guy that creates this. So um, and the situation for it. So he literally had a moment where he was like, "I know it might be hard for you to understand right now, but this." Yes, Saint Karen. He was the Saint Karen. So William Brandon was pretty much the founder of what we call modern day televangelism. He would have great big shows of healing people. You know, the ones where they put their hand on people's head oh, yeah. and magically, boom, oh, yeah. heal them. Yeah, that stuff. That is literally Hell what he yeah. did. Yeah. He it's, influenced it's my childhood. And I was raised Southern Baptist. Like, it was in the North, he, but it was a small Southern yep. Baptist church. Like, that. that's right there with it. Well, William Branham was the guy that made it huge. He was basically described as, what was it, like the most smooth-talking person in the world. Could get down to know you, could make you cry, and the Uh next sentence, make you laugh. And he just had that thing. And, you know, we all see that, you know. We've seen Joel Osteen go out there, and then they're they're doing the same thing. This is from this guy. He built this. He built the, like, the business part of it, and he built everything around it so that the next people... In, in the you know 1970s, 1980s could come after that and do it. So this is the guy. Hell yeah. We will, I think, one day do an episode on this guy because he has so much stuff that we could talk about. But I digress. For now, we'll just kind of give him a little explanation. Well, he claimed that he was visited by an angel on May 7th, 1946, which is about a little less than a year after the end of World War II. It was this time the U.S. was kind of in a huge boom. He had just we had just defeated the world's most hated people, the Nazis, and defeated maybe the United States' most hated enemies, the Japanese. Well, because of Pearl Harbor at this moment, they were just like these people are the worst. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why the bomb was dropped on them. <laughs> From if you've watched uh, Oppenheimer, that's the reason they give is like Pearl Harbor. They shouldn't have bombed us. You know, not saying it was right saying that's just the thought process. Well, there was also a huge housing boom. 
As mortgage loans were super easy to get, especially for returning servicemen and women from the war, and companies like McDonald's and Ford grew even larger as they consolidated and then grew into even bigger companies. As people's pockets were filling up, it was right time for people to also wonder when their souls and spiritual lives would start filling up. Mm -hmm. This was time for a smooth-talking and faith-pushing William M. Branham to step in. He stepped up to the plate and knocked it out of the park, so to speak. This mm -hmm. was the same time that we had the birth of modern corporations. Yes. Right? So we had companies. Yes. We had companies. Mm -hmm. We had little mom and pa shops, maybe even small chains that were kind of like around the country. But it was this this time, especially, Jesus, like especially around post-World War II because the entire economy, everything, America yep. geared its entire economy towards the war effort, which this country has a massive yep. amount of resources. Um, this country has been based since the start on intense labor practices. Um, and yes. so yes. Um, yes, it has. everything was geared towards it down to the small plot of land where you had your victory garden like planted in your front yard everything was geared mm -hmm. towards it and so this is the first time that we had these like essentially for something that's not like oil or coal like we had yeah corporations that were popping up just for fucking everything like you mentioned mcdonald's and stuff so it only tracks in my mind that there were also corporations popping up for religion right <laughs> like yes it went yeah. from this local church to like boom now it's covering 17 states or anywhere with a radio signal yeah exactly and a lot of this too which is a, something that's kind of lost mm -hmm. in the area this is really when the service industry started popping up big time and it's a big thing to remember because now people you know we're starting to move into this little really small but huge growing middle class and yeah. that middle class was spending Yes. You know, and I want that can't be that can't be like over underestimated or overestimated because they were spending money on stuff that yeah. normally wasn't spent money on. Well, you know, also before the war was the Great Depression. Yes. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> the reason we so, got out of the Great Depression was because of the war. So people were living in what was literally referred to as the Dust Bowl. It was bad. It was real, real, real bad. And I'm saying this for our younger listeners because I realize that the education system has kind of dropped off a bit. Dropped <laughs> off a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. But you look at quote unquote like third world countries or developing countries, and you're like, oh my god, that's so terrible. Go look at the black and white photos of America during the Great mm -hmm. Depression, like side by side with whatever poverty that you see in modern day on those, you know, Sarah McLaughlin in the arms of an angel, <laughs> like those commercials, put them side yes. by side. They are identical. It was that yep. fucking bag. Now everybody's coming back. It was still when unions were fucking like running shit. People got fucking money. Women are now in the fucking workforce. Although a lot of women did get yeah. kicked out the second the men came back, but that's a whole nother spiel. Um, but like women are making bread. Men are making bread. Yep. Bakers selling bread. Everybody's got bread. Yep. <laughs> and like, and yep. there's mass production for the first time where it's like, we have all these factories and shit. And it's just like, what if we just start using them for common goods? What if we start using them yep. for spatulas, for microwaves, for this, for that, for da 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 yep. da da It all builds up. This, this is America in its heyday. 
this is this is yep. the peak of American culture was immediately after World War II. White America. White American culture. <laughs> yes. 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 Let's let's, let's stop that. Thank because, you. Thank you for yeah, the catch yeah. there. But yeah, it. it I have to do it was. to myself too. I have to do that to myself too to be like, okay, this well, is like when people in that time period thought this was the boom. They thought this was the, you know, and people looking it, back on it, some the you know, a lot of people think, what happened to my my uh, my America? This is the America that they think about. The yes, one where it's a boom that, that you yeah. can buy houses for eighteen thousand dollars. When we're talking about making it great loans. again, this is what they're referring yeah. to, which yeah. also immediately within the next decade or so or fifteen years led to I don't know the civil rights movement becoming very prominent yeah. across the country because that exactly. America at that time eh, wasn't that good for probably fifty percent of the. Sixty percent of the population. Sixty percent of the. Po- yeah. it, it depends who you count as a human, but yeah. I. Tr- <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, William Branham brought in his brand of fiery televangelism, and it helped him get in front and center in front of up to sometimes twenty thousand people. It's pretty damn. big for this time period. Yeah. Yeah. For for just a preacher, you know, just getting all these people out there. Uh-huh. Well, he was also supported and helped get his start. By a man named Roy Davis. Do you know who Roy Davis is? The name is very familiar. You should. Well, it's probably good that you don't know him, but he was a founding member and recruiter of the Second Ku Klux Klan. That's why his name yeah. sounds familiar. Okay. <laughs> yep. So, you, as everyone knows, the first Ku Klux Klan was started right after the Civil War to get carpetbaggers from, as they call them, people from the North coming down. And also, they were doing some mischievous stuff under the guise of helping uh, widows, uh, widows the from the Civil War. Yeah, like that was that was a huge. Yeah. That was their public face. Was we just help, we just out here helping the widows. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. And this is the second in the second version of the Ku Klux Klan, probably the one that you know more today. You know, the yeah. one that is popular as it has been popular as more today. Well, he also became a Grand Wizard and leader of the KKK. This is his buddy, Roy Davis, who helped him get the start. So this is most likely where he helped form some of his basic ideas, the cumulatively called the message, that was his basic ideas that were formed, along with the end of the world predictions, which is normal in every cult. You gotta have them. Everything going. He had, one. another one was predestination, which is a Calvinist ideal, which if you don't know what predestination is, as soon as you're born, you already are gonna go to either hell or heaven. Yeah. There's no... There's no nothing in life that you can do to figure it out. You were predestined to go to hell or heaven. Founding fathers, big fans of this shit. Yes, they were. Uh, Eternal security, Mm -hmm. and he believed in the serpent seed, which became a lot of the basis on what most racist organizations like the KKK believe in. I don't know if you know what the serpent seed is, do you? This sounds like some alien shit. I wish it was alien stuff. So Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Yeah. In, In Eden. Yeah. You know, living their lives, having fun, you know, just being being naked with the, you know, the leave over there, privates, you know, all good, right? Yeah. Eve gets seduced and has sex with the snake. Yeah. And she births, she births people with non-white skin. Oh. And that's where they came from. And they were banished. So that's why they believe that they're better than them because it's part of the KKK's version of it is that most uh, people, you know, African-American people, Anyone of non-white skin was birthed out of demonism. Well, 
With these beliefs, Branham throughout the years made many tours going around the world speaking and hosting revivals and healing ministries, you know, doing his thing. On one specific tour around Germany in 1955, about 10 years after the end of World War II, Branham met one of our stars of our show today, Paul Schaefer. 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 And his ministry at this time became Branham's security detail. Oh, God. And it was at this time that Paul felt a healing revival within himself and would turn his congregants to more of Branham's doctrines to run his own group. And it's here we'll split off from Branham. Thank you, Branham. Go fuck yourself. And go into the topic of today, Paul Schaefer, the leader of Colonial Dignidad. Also, not Paul Schaefer, that is uh, the drummer for uh, or piano player on uh, Conan O'Brien's <laughs> band. <laughs> a different one. I'm 99% certain. They're the same. It's the same one. Well, Paul Schaefer, Schaefer, was born in Germany in 1921. I also want to say, guys, I don't know how to speak German. So, also don't know how to speak Spanish. So, a lot of these um, words I'm going to say... Excuse me if I get them wrong, okay? So there's my um, disclaimer preference there. Yeah, Linguistic disclaimer. disclaimer. So let's go. Linguistic disclaimer. Right. So Paul Schaefer was born in Germany in 1921 in a town called Twasdorf. He was noted as a very clumsy kid, and he lost an eye due to poking it out with a fork accidentally. <laughs> I really hope that he was still able to somehow magically, like, maintain visual through his eye and for the rest of his life he was just looking at lint piling up underneath the couch <laughs> in one eye yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just didn't matter where he went in the world he's like yes yeah who whoever lives there now they still haven't moved i can still see the same dust bunny going bigger and bigger every year i named it margo maybe that <laughs> explains why he did what he did i think it does well well, true. See you all next week, everybody. That was a fantastic End of the episode. <laughs> Great episode. Great, Great part episode. Two. Okay. So he lost an eye. Joey, how does one lose their eye? Like he didn't know where it was. How did, how does one lose their eye? Well, Gil. Yes. He tried to untie a knot from his shoelace <laughs> with a fork. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. And he pulled I, this master I, I guess race he pulled it out from under his shoe. Yeah, right. <laughs> this master, bro. <laughs> yeah. And this is this is probably right before World War II, maybe early early thirties that this happened. So that you know, probably Hitler's about to go into power. You know, and they're just looking at him like, ugh. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing that makes me happier than Nazis getting injured. I'm sorry. Oh, in most comical way. Yeah. <laughs> Even future Nazis. It's just like, bro, like, did you ever learn that lesson as a kid where you go to pull a power cord, like, out of the wall, but you, like, yank it, and that bitch comes back and just, whoop, like, hits you straight between the eyes? I I had that happen to me when I was, like, I don't know, seven or eight years old. I was, like, I don't know, doing a leaf blower or some shit like that, and I like yank the cord, and that motherfucker, whoosh, like snake bite straight between the eyes, like <laughs> that. Never had that happen. I 100 percent had that happen. It was my German heritage coming out trying to no, assassinate yeah, that, me. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> luckily my entire family history, yeah. we weren't down with those motherfuckers. But like, good, but, good. Yes. no, not at all. I'm like grandma on point, grandpa. 
you know, World War II American soldier that met my grandma doing awesome shit in World War II. So, like, I'm, you know, hey, I'm saved on that end. But mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, like, we've all done some shit, you know, walked into a door or whatever where it's just, like, some dumb shit. But, like, this motherfucker lost their eye untying their shoe. Mm-hmm. Yep. What the fu- <laughs> Who gets a fork? And they're like, I've got an idea. Ha <laughs> Paul Schaefer. He uh he did it. He lives the rest of his life with a glass eye. So I've seen pictures of him. I don't know. I mean, I didn't see any video of him. I just saw pictures. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did see some video, but I didn't actually pay attention to his eye, which if I look at it again, I'm gonna pay attention to his eye and see if it moves. But yeah, he's had the rest of the life glass eye. He grew up pretty decently poor as well. And, you know, like everybody in the the fatherland served. He served. Post-World War One Germany. Yeah, he yeah. served in World War II. Serving okay. for, of course, the Nazis. So he was a Nazi. Yeah. He was a stretcher bearer, or what they, in in uh, German, it's Kleinkentrager, his stretcher bearer. Sounds angry. I think you got the accent right. Yeah. I, I hope so. I'm doing my best, guys. You're doing, you just have to sound more pissed. Oh, I can do that with this guy. Well, he survived World War II, and his first mission started in Gautel, Germany in 1955. Okay. So he started a youth ministry, kind of, you know? He started like a youth group in in Gautel. As one does. So small town, nothing going on in this town. Like my hometown, nothing Mm -hmm. going on besides this guy's youth ministry. Okay. All the boys described him as always smiling. Uh-oh. Happy. Uh-oh. Never depressed. And I think if we want to go back and, and reference an older episode, who does it kind of start sounding like? This low-key sounds a little bit like Slipko. I'm not giving away too much to say. Sounds Ooh. like it. <laughs> that explains well, all the video footage. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> yes. Well, he ran the Youth Boys Club, which was his thing, and all the boys loved him so much and respected him. They were always singing, playing, visiting him late at night. Wait, what? <laughs> singing, playing, and visiting him late at night. Nothing out of the ordinary there, right? <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Well, not too long after that incident, he was fired from that job. Incident? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, as they so wait, say. Was this and, one time or was this like a, you know, like Catholic church style cycle of events? One Should he have joined the diocese it. is what I'm trying to ask. Two people saw it. Okay. Right. Okay. So one person saw it. I am going to describe what she said in a minute. And another person saw it and they weren't too pleased what was happening there. So okay. well, he got fired from that job and it surprised everyone that li- that worked there. You know? I didn't know that was illegal. This would be a pivotal point in his life. (laughs) I didn't know I couldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's Germany in the 1950s. Anything goes. Literally, at that point, anything goes. Yep. So, after he got fired, he lived in the forests of Gartau, and it was there that he was visited by God, and he gave him his real mission. Which was? He started traveling around Germany and preaching Uh at various free churches. So he started gathering like-minded people along the way and built his flock. Okay. Okay. And throughout this time, he had become a follower and big believer, this is when it connects, with William Branham's way. He, at this time, wanted to build a place that he could call his own to start building his own Mecca. This wouldn't be his forever home, but a start. So 
1956, he built a youth home in Eide, Germany. I think that's how it's pronounced. H-E-I-D-E. Well, people who were his followers at this time started to pool their money together to give Paul Schaefer. So the yeah. mission could grow, right? So, you know, this is how it always happens. He's just like, well, we need to grow. We need to start pooling our money. We need to start going towards our mission, going towards building things for people. Most people started giving 100% of their earnings to him Whoa. because they believed in him so much already this is not even like this is maybe like two years into his like his building his flock these people just like they grabbed him and they loved him so this dude this dude was a fucking natural like this is before had it this is before probably before the word cult existed like this is that he wasn't even close to starting his cult and like motherfuckers take my baby like they're already yeah. doing it. Yeah, this was this was him just building. And you know, I feel like when he had when he stayed in the forest, he learned and studied and and thought about everything in in Garta when he was in the like forest for that year. Up Thoreau. Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of built this thing in his head and the mission, you know. He was pretty much like not outcast by people, but he was outcast. So literally like a fucked up Henry David Thoreau that wasn't able to do his laundry at his mom's house. So this is what happens. Yep. When you go and you write that that beautiful piece of literature, what is it, the eye, and, you know, I'm on giant eye and I'm walking through the woods and you go the Henry David Thoreau route, but you're not able to do laundry on weekends. So you actually just go ape shit in the woods. Yeah, and plan. This is what happens. Yep. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's crazy. Well, I mean, he's a reformed Nazi at this time, right? Wink, wink. <laughs> it's because it's after World War Two, So he's a reformed Nazi. Well, in 1960, it took them a couple years to build the youth home because they were slowly building capital. They were slowly getting in money. They were building materials. Uh, there's a lot of videos in the documentary of them building the home, of them building the youth school and the youth home. And it's it's very interesting. They The cameraman and the guy who was in the, uh, uh, excuse me, it'll eventually be called the um, colony. But mm -hmm. it's not a cult, as they say. <laughs> um, eventually, joined the colony. The guy just said everything needed to be videotaped because we needed to show the world how this thing grew and how it, how it built, you know? Which also helped later on. <laughs> this is in Germany still. Or have yeah, they gone to South still America? In, they're still okay, in Germany. Okay, so yep. it's 1960. They're still in Germany, and they're, they're yep. already recording and documenting the building of their colony. They're, well, this is gotcha. the first time. This isn't the colony yet. So okay. we're getting there. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're not gotcha, there gotcha. yet. Um, so they had a big celebration in 1960 and they showed off the youth home. It's built. They have everybody there, you know, and there's the kids are there. They're happy. They're, you know, they're fed, they're clothed. <laughs> a lot of it's a lot of these children had no parents after World War Two and had no, didn't have anywhere to go. So, yeah, this is about 15 15 years uh, after the end of World War II, but still a lot. Some of these children yeah. had no parents that died, you know, or eventually yeah. died after World War II. So if this stayed this thing, it's a noble thing to do, you know? Great thing. Give these kids food, no reason. But it never stays yeah. this thing, you know? It never stays in this lane. It always goes off crazy because the people who start it don't actually have this in their heart. I've, so. I've seen the documentary Salvo. Um, I know how this is going to go. Yeah. Well, there's like one person that got that reference, but they just laughed and also cringed at the same time. Anyway, shout uh, out to yeah. that one person. Shout out to you. Well, 
During this time period, a believer and helper in his youth home said to him, I can't shake the thought that you're like Adolf Hitler. That's a compliment at this time. <laughs> and he replied, through you, God reveals what the others here are thinking. He took that as, fuck yeah, I'm Adolf Hitler. Everybody knows it. I'm the man. And if you listen Look to him at talk, the stash. He, he feels it. He feels it too. Oh, shit. And you're just like, oh, it gave me these chills already. He's feeling this oh. even before his colony, his his cult is built. He's already got people loving him, <sighs> you know, lauding him, giving him all his money. And he's not even like, you know, he's not even Michael Jordan level success in the cult. You know, he's just yeah. some nobody. Yeah. He's like a, a bench warmer right now on the Chicago Bulls, just waiting for their turn. Yeah. He's like a failed art student. I would say so. Yeah. Well, gotcha. the same lady that heard him say this was also the same lady that worked for him at the other place in Gartau and saw him sleeping in a bed holding a young nine-year-old boy. And she said, oh, he's so nurturing and kind. Ugh. Sorry. I almost yep. gagged. Well, not long after that, Shefa was accused of sexually assaulting two young boys at the new youth school that he built. So, By who? Who's ratting him out? He's the next up-and-coming Hitler. He's got, like, Gandhi vibes, sleeping with little girls, you know, or, well, in this case, little boys. Um, you yep. know, like, what is he What is he doing wrong? What is Shefa doing wrong? Like, what, <laughs> what could he possibly do, be doing wrong in this situation? Exactly what I just said. It's just night school. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. That's... <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> That's terrible. I hit a spot. I predicted the script, God. didn't I? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, but that's still yeah. funny. <laughs> well, Schaefer, after he was he was accused of this, he said, I'm going to meet with these boys privately afterwards. So he met them and told them, and they each said it on the documentary afterwards. Listen here, you little swine hound. You shut your little swine mouth. That's exactly what he said. He said, no, I didn't touch you. And if you were asked if I did, just say I didn't. He said, you wouldn't want to end the amazing thing that I've built to take care of you, would you? Well, needless to say, the charges were still filed against him. Fuck yeah. And... He did the one thing he could do to get around them. He just left the country. It worked out well for a lot of Nazis at the time. Yeah. Yep. And he did. And even though the police were looking for him, <laughs> nobody stopped him from getting on the plane. All I found was his eye. It was underneath this couch over here. <laughs> what do we do with it? Uh, don't, don't touch it. Don't. We leave it there. And we put a small prison around it. That will haunt his dreams. Ha ha, Captain, you are the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, throughout 1961, he just moved around going from country to country. He started in Italy, then went throughout the Middle East, and then many, many, many more countries. He's, it's not really noted what he was doing. He kind of was trying to be obviously going on his... I can guess. Yeah. Um, I guess too, but he was going on his uh, pilgrimage, I think, is uh, oh, while yeah. evading capture. And uh, I quoted pilgrimage because, yeah, I don't need to mention why. Yeah, yeah, on that one. Well, yeah. it still needs to be said, even after he was charged with this, he had a huge amount of followers still. 
Like nobody left him. The only two people yeah. that left him were the two boys. And then they they actually the two boys had each had a mother and the mothers were the ones that came over. They just they were just visiting, which is even worse. They were just visiting the school uh, and the mothers ratted him out and went to the judges. See, that makes sense because they weren't you know, hardcore converts that were, I guess, like, I don't know, pedo sheep dipped in this like bullshit yep. yet. So they weren't willing to hear him out. He didn't have any control over them. They were visiting like, yep. yeah, I heard your advertisements on Spotify. And they just like showed up like, I want to check my kid into the Schaefer Night School. And they're like, oh, no, that's what Schaefer Night School is. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Okay. Yeah. That makes and sense. I, and it is, it is. I do want to also say, and I think we all know this, and sometimes it still goes to today. Like, it is very hard for young kids to come out and talk about this stuff. 100%. And it's very hard for, and especially in this time, still now too as well, for anyone to believe them. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to give a shout out to their parents for both being like, for both their mothers to be like, no, I believe you. Hell yeah. You know, and, and then they press charges. Good call. Yeah. Well, at the end of 1961, a judge issued an arrest warrant for him in Germany. So he can't go back or he'd be arrested. Well, he was trying to find a safe space that he could build his Mecca because he kind of lost his old Mecca. And I do also want to say that he still had everybody else that he put in place that were his followers still working in that school. Okay. So nothing changed. He just left. And, you know, to be fair, there hasn't at the, you know, at this point, there hadn't been anybody else in that school or is his followers that were doing what he was doing. He is the only one at this point. So can we like move this to normal school hours now? Do we have to keep <laughs> this at night? Because like day school? Yeah. Well, this is before this all this had happened. And and to give a little back, you know, you know, give a little backstory in this. On May twenty second, nineteen sixty, the Valdivia earthquake, also known as the Great Chile earthquake, hit. It was the most Uh-oh. powerful earthquake to ever happen, landing in between 9.4 and 9.6 on the Richter scale, which Holy is shit. huge. And it's the, the largest one to ever happen. So I thought 10 it, was literally the highest it can go. Yep. I know this, I, I know that with earthquakes, um, every bump up, so like a one and a two. The difference between a one and a two is two is literally twice as strong. But then when you get to uh-huh. three, right? It's twice as strong as two. And when you get mm-hmm. to four, it's twice as strong as three. So, like, nine is like, that's enough to yeet a young child like, straight up into heaven to see a fucking concert. Like, that's that's Off up the there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the only one that was recorded at this. So, that's who knows insane. what happened to that one? Yeah. That's insane. It was estimated to have killed in between. And, and you know, the, it's, it's very you know, wide estimates on this. So in between 1,000 to 6,000 people and yeah. caused in between 400 million to 800 million damage, or as I worked out in today's dollars, four to $7.9 billion in damage in Chile at this time, in this one small area. That's almost as much as Grand Theft Auto 6. That's how much it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. God damn. <laughs> yeah. I bring this up because Chile was in really bad shape and they uh-huh. needed help cleaning up the debris and also housing people. Yeah, 100%. It's here and comes Paul Schaefer and his yeah. followers. 
the oh. Chilean ambassador, who was very close to the German ambassadors, <laughs> go figure, uh, reached out to Schaefer for help because he knew of his school, he knew of his youth ministry. He didn't care so much about why he was fired from the youth minister part of it, but that's ah, fine. And because he did not have anywhere else to go, Schaefer moved him and his followers to Chile. He was received at the presidential palace as a hero with open arms. He God was given land in the south of Chile and no. central Chile to start his new Mecca. No. They were given a place in the Mole region, which actually from the pictures is, is super beautiful. And it's long flowing fields with mountains in the background along a winding river. Looks picturesque. Yeah. Chile is one of the most gorgeous places on the planet. The one, the one problem with the land was the soil was really bad and really hard. So it was very hard to grow, to make things grow in it, to like plow into it. It all was too spicy. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't get into it because it was too spicy for the German taste buds. <laughs> this well, is too spicy. Spicy as in potato. I can see the ice wall right there. Okay, we can't live here. <laughs> Is that I see Captain Fuck Butler? Yeah. He's always been an asshole. I hate him. <laughs> That's why we sent him out there. Well, it made it really hard to grow anything, obviously. But yeah. ever the German spirit, they made it work. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah they just yeah, made it work. About... And it worked. <laughs> you know? Just literally, they're like, mm, physics. Ha <laughs> ha. Fuck you. <laughs> like... mm-hmm. We invented this spicy potato, which we do not eat. But we trade with in town for unspicy yes, they potatoes. Did. <laughs> well, I do want to add that it wasn't all adults that made the trip over to the mission in Chile. Of course he pretty not. pretty much kidnapped children and would continually bring in children throughout the years as well. Why do I feel like this is a biography that was sitting on the nightstand of Jeffrey Epstein? He pretty much kidnapped children and would continually bring children as well over the years. You know, he just would bring them in, you know, obviously, you know, he that's him. That's what he's going to do. Yeah. So to get in the country and to make some investments in the land, they use the name Sociedad Benefactora y Educacional Dignidad. Charitable and Education Society Digni. Yes, pretty much, yeah. Well, in late 1961, Schaefer gave out the call for all of his followers to come to Chile. So he had only bring a few he only brought a few of them with him. At the at the beginning, and now he's like, I'm bringing like out the I'm bringing 16, out the big guns. nine year olds and like two <laughs> random people. <laughs> yes, I mean he's Damn, up to three hundred, like, five hundred really at this here. time. I've already got all their Pokemon cards. Okay, I win uh-huh. every round. Okay, and and now they're speaking Digimon, but they don't know. I go way back with Digimon. Okay, I got the Digimon cards, and and I just miss my homies. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. he did, and. It can also be said, in 1961, a huge landmark was coming up in Germany, and it was being built, and it was called the Berlin Wall. The Cold War, hugely underway at this time. So most Uh people wanted to leave Germany anyways, Yeah, and this was the perfect way for Schaefer to get his followers to leave everything behind that they had built, because just remember, the youth school that he started and in place is still there. They're still running it. And so most of those people were like, we have this thing here. Why wouldn't we keep this going? You built this, you know, it's one of your missions. And he's just like, no, get over here now. Was it in Eastern or Western Germany? Do you know? Uh, It was in in East Germany. So, 
Okay, so they're like spicy quick. potatoes yeah, like were to sounding real good at that yeah. point in time. <laughs> they're trying to get out real quick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Well, as the colony started to grow, they built up the land with communal structures and houses. Schaefer strategically separated everyone, like Ugh. all cult leaders do, right? Yep. Well, and what we all know about cults is that they make everyone do long hours of mm-hmm. hard manual labor mm-hmm. and continue them working for the greater good. The greater they would work good. 16-hour days from Jesus. early morning to sundown. Damn. He separated the kids and the adults, too, telling the adults mm-hmm. that it had to be done because they had to build the town and everything mm-hmm. else for their own good and that, well, you know, the children are being taken care of. No big deal. They attended Schaefer Night School. Haven't you heard? Look at the flyers. Like, yeah, Germans love around. pamphlets. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They like, do. Look at my pamphlets. And they're like, it's just like him on the front with his finger up and like little kids like saluting and just like, look. And they're like, yeah, that looks pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. So, well, the kids are in the Schaefer Night School. Um, yes. And <laughs> separated. Obviously, he's the headmaster. Yeah. Well, it, to make it even funnier, he walked yeah. around with a megaphone shouting Jesus. out orders <laughs> in people's ears. And like a good cult leader, he'd be like, hey, I, you, good job. You know, good job. Saying good job to everybody. The and be potatoes like, aren't spicy enough. Keep yeah. that digging going. <laughs> yeah. And then he would be like, but the glory all goes to God. You know, <laughs> like he, it's you, for- good job. But the, the glory is for God. You know, it's not you. You didn't do a mm-hmm. great job. God did. He Zig just put you here. Hail the Lord. That's what we say around here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine that was actually probably said a lot in the place. Zig hail the Lord. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think I, I, I thought about it and I was like, man, that's got to be the most freaking annoying things. Similar to Jim Jones just sitting on, the, was... on the loudspeakers just constantly talking all day. But then I started to think, it actually might have been good for them, like a joy to them, because they believed in him. They thought he was godlike. They thought he was a messiah. They thought he was building this for them. And so I thought back on it thinking, honestly, they probably didn't think this was annoying at all. They probably loved it. They probably was like, oh, it's our leader. He's here. He's helping us. He's one of us. You know, he's he's you know, here. You know how... I've been pushing plans for one of us to go undercover into a cult that we're aware of. Yep. Joey, I don't think you should be the person that goes undercover in the cult that we're aware of. I'm putting no, myself this is in the not position good. of cult people. Joey, this is <laughs> active that I brainwashing. No, 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 no. But I'm not even... The level of empathy that you just reached, because you're right, it was, but that was at a key level of brainwashing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I watched a lot of hours of him talking. So <laughs> I was oh, watching no. a lot of hours of him talking. I don't know. Oh, we're not no. there. I, I'm not there. <laughs> I will never be there. But I just try to, you know, put myself in people's position when they're there and understand how they would feel. 100%. And at, at this point, they love him. They think he's yeah. the greatest thing in the world. And yeah. to be fair, even near the end of it, most Has... all of them still love them. Okay, so has he at this point? Okay, so we're talking a lot in terms of like the actual building of the literal foundation. Yeah, of the, the literal. Cult. We've talked a lot about yeah. his 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 uh his absolutely fucking like throw up wretched doings. 
right? Mm-hmm. But but we haven't talked a lot about the progress of the the indoctrination of the people within the cult. So so where we're are gonna, we? We're going to talk. At we're going to talk we, about well, that later. Coming into he's, it, he's, in like two years, he's pulled all these people from Germany. Like mm-hmm. he went from like literally he's fucking nothing, like yep. um to just magically having control over a hundred percent of people's income to getting kicked out of Zischefa Night School, you know, mm-hmm. like and like yep. and traveling around the world. I don't know. Well, actually, I do. I feel safe assuming I do know what he was doing as he was traveling around the world to settling in Chile, being presented as a fucking god already. What were these people believing? They believed he was they believed he was a messiah at this time. Was he God? Was he Jesus? Was he the second coming? Was he the third coming? How many times was he coming? He wasn't no, 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 he was not Jesus. No, he was none of those people. I would say he's closer to Moses. He's closer to Moses in this okay, idea. Okay, so he's he was coming prophet. a lot. He's the prophet. Okay. Yes. He's gotcha. the prophet that these people and they believe that he could de- help deliver so, them. This also, was a messianic. He, was it yes. this? Okay, okay, hold up, hold up. Another stop, and I, I got to challenge you on this. Um, why the fuck was a bunch of uh, ex-Nazis, why were they into Moses? Because you know what, you know how that went, right? Yeah, well, yes. It, it, I don't, I'm just saying. Not, like that. I wasn't saying that he. I wasn't saying <laughs> oh that he is Moses. I'm saying okay. in their eyes, he's the level of Moses. He's the person. Okay, but he's like, not what Mo- was he? I'm challenging here. You can you can challenge me. I need to know because I'm like, why why were these people so fucking like? Yeah, that's our insert whatever the fuck you know like when they're here and came out and said and he's just like walking around with the microphone and shit like that. I know he wasn't Moses. That would be, that's weird. That's a that's another level of weird. So like, what was mm-hmm. he? Was he the third Jesus, fourth Jesus? You know, like what? What did they believe? He was helping deliver people from their sin, not as Jesus, but he was the leader of this. He's their preacher. Mm. He's the love of their life. He's the preacher, but he's he has built himself into this almost. And and you're like right. Pope? He has a Messiah complex. He does. Yeah. And and it and it's not that they think he's God because they don't think he's God. They know that there's a God. This is part of the Christian yeah. Pentecostal thing. There's a God. Yeah, he's not God. You know, he's he's, helping he's creating his them. own papiousness, his own yes. popeness. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, he's he becoming the basically pope. become the pope. Okay, thank you. That's okay. a that's a good okay. a good reiteration to that. He's basically the, becoming the pope, and he's doing what William Branton did as well. He's he's uh-huh. getting people believing in him. He's getting their money. He's basically making okay. it so they can't leave. I'm sorry, 100% um, about the long tirade on that, but like we are dealing with the early incantations of like um, of of cults. Yep. Right. So like we are actually looking at the history of cults. Yep. Right. In terms of the modern developments and a lot of modern cults, it's just like they just jump straight to, well, you know, I'm the second coming of Jesus, you know, and it's just like, yeah, Charles Manson out here just being like, baby, you know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, and they're going into like, I'm this, I'm that. This is before that. Like the ground is like completely unset. Right. Like it is as spicy as the south to central Chilean farming soil. Okay. Literally, um, yes. <laughs> you know. Um, so the spiciest potatoes of early culthood is 
I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to become yet. Yeah. But the belief is there. Like, motherfuckers are already being it's like, crazy. take my money. Yeah. You know? The foundation happened before the foundation happened. You know what I mean? Like, that the foundation of people's belief happened before this. They just, that is for, nuts. he was so good at being just swindling himself. Himself. It's a, and I want to say it like spindler. that. Himself. Yeah. yeah. That he had built this. And yet, he, I mean, and I want to be fair, he still isn't even going into how bad it's going to get. This is like, oh, you know, we built the foundation, but it gets way bad. Yeah. Like molesting children is horrible, but it gets yeah. worse. So this is just the oh. beginning. Uh, yeah. And you better they already believe up. in him this much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They, I'm not they already molesting children. It gets worse than that. Yes. Okay. Yep. Because <laughs> this shit. is him building. Well, <laughs> I want to say this, like we're just talking about the building up of it and how much they believed him. And this is a perfect segue for it. It was noted by one of the colonists, and I call them colonists because they live in a colony, and they're yeah. also colonizing another country, just like a lot of that yeah. happens. So it kind of makes it, you know, the double parallel there. He said they didn't worry about their kids <laughs> because they believe that Schaefer was doing a better job teaching them and taking care of them than they could do themselves. And that is from one of the colonists who had his kid there. <laughs> That's how brainwashed these people God were damn, at this dude. time. And even at the beginning. And these are like the the beginning people too, like the people that came over, the first foundlings of his his uh foundation. So yeah, this was the thinking of all the parents at the colony at this time. So yeah. obviously, this allowed Shefa to do whatever he wanted to the children of colonial dignidad. He was sexually abusing the children and teenagers, and there was nothing they could do about it. Because they believed, the teenagers, if I told somebody, who would believe me anyways? The fucked up thing is they were right, dude. Yep. The colony was the perfect God pedophile damn. paradise. You know I like my alliteration. Akin to Epstein Island. He could do whatever he wanted because they could not do anything. They couldn't leave. It was 24 miles from any other town. Most of the children in the colony didn't speak Spanish. There were no police. No one had any money or passports. And there was no transport. Well, Joey, I got to tell you, everything you're saying is just definitely putting me in an excellent mood. Holy shit, this is terrible. I... <laughs> yeah, and he built this. You know, he Ooh. built this. He made people build. Well, let's just say he made people build this for him. He built the ideologies behind it. There is one trinket of good news because in 1962, one boy did escape. One boy. I want to read his biography. Holy shit. This motherfucker went yeah. 24 miles uh -huh. through Chile. I don't know if anybody's looked at like a topo map of Chile. Um, Not exactly flat land. You know, have y'all ever heard of a little place called Patagonia? Okay, like yep. not exactly the easiest land to traverse. Nope. He was lucky. In a lot of ways, but he actually, what's crazy is he yeah. tried three times to escape. He was caught twice and brought back to the colony. They put out rewards for this guy. Wolfgang Kanisi is his name. He was a young German boy. Dope name. And he escaped. Yep. Yeah. He was one, the first time he was caught and brought back to the colony, he was beaten. He was given less food. Yeah, of course. And made to work more for his infractions. He also had some weird different punishments. He couldn't talk to anyone for up to three years. 
and to make sure he couldn't escape again, he was made to wear red in the morning and white at night so they could always see him. That is a whole nother level <laughs> of fucking maniacalness. It's diabolical to do what Dude, to do yes. this to a teenager. The kid was like 13, 14 years old. To get down to the psychological level of like, God damn Germans and their efficiency. Like literally the punishment is wearing colors that will make it difficult for you yep. to escape at different parts of the day. Yep. That isn't, holy shit. I don't even think they did yeah. that at Jonestown. God damn. <laughs> like, no, I think is... they let him leave because they knew they were going to die in the jungle. <laughs> That's yeah. why they didn't care. You know, yeah. Guyana, have you seen them spiders? Like, they ain't getting Yeah. yeah. Them jaguars <laughs> like... are going to eat them. Pythons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, on his shit, third dude. and final escape, Wolfgang yeah. made it across the river. And he just, Hell this yeah. time, he just swam across the river and was like, screw it. I don't Fuck care. Yeah. No fucks yeah. given. Yep, he didn't care because he was like, I, I, I'm either going to die or this time or I'm going to escape. Uh-huh. He he escaped this time, which was amazing. And he Fuck made yeah, his Wolfgang. way to the German embassy with the help of a local family. The local what? family had hit him two times before, and they caught him the first time. They caught him the second time that he escaped. The local family finally got him out. They knew this fuckery was going on. Just this one small family. I do also want to say this was just one family because Fuck yeah. a lot of people didn't care. Yeah. This so. is like the spicy potato underground railroad going on here. I'm here for this yep. shit. Okay. He got he was hid by the ambassador, the German ambassador, at a retirement yeah. home in Santiago. So obviously they're like they knew the German ambassador knew this guy. Obviously. Because okay. he had dealt with him coming from coming from Germany. Germany. He was like, I yeah. know who this guy is. Like, I'm going to hide you too. He get one of the stories was Damn. to make sure that he was safe. The kid, the teenager, he's a teenager, 13, 14 at this time. Yeah. The ambassador yeah. was like, Hey, here's a gun. Put it under oh, your pillow. Shit. Yeah. Basically oh, shit. he said, I don't know if we can protect you from these people. You need to protect yourself. And you knew he was the good guy. You knew he was the good guy because his gun didn't look like a little squirt gun. It didn't look like the shitty ass Nazi guns. It was like an actual yep. like nine millimeter. You know what I'm saying? Like Browning, like fucking like yep. ready to go in there. That's how you. That's how you know somebody's a good guy. So he gave him. Yep. Gave him a nine. All right. Yep. Well, Wolfgang and the ambassador and a few news outlets started getting out the word that Schaefer was a pedophile and things weren't uh. quite as they seemed at Colonial Dignidad. Sadly, in 1967, Wolfgang was sued by a lawyer representing the colony and was convicted in a courtroom, and he had to flee Chile so he didn't go to jail. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. What year did he escape the third time? Do you know? He escaped Do we know in that? 1963, I think the year was. The first one was 1961. This is four so He's been hiding later. for four years. Four years Holy later, they, they found out he, where he was, and they Holy just sued shit. him because, smartly, they didn't go after him because he's, you know, the German ambassador's protecting him. So they said, okay, let's Damn. go to the court and settle it and ruin this guy's life because uh-huh. we'll find out later that he was doing some business deals with a lot of people. But Of course. Like well, any good yeah, cult leader. You, you, any good you cult leader. You embed not just with the children- but also with the politics. Yep. Well, yeah. still, 
even though the even though they sued him, they got you know stuff like this was happening. The news was going around, right? Yeah. Um, and he Schaefer, ever the cunning mm-hmm. one, decided with the help of the Chilean government to build a hospital in Colonial Dignidad. Shit, he's going after hearts and minds at this point. Damn. So starting before he sued Wolfgang, yeah, even before he sued Wolfgang, because he knew stuff was going to come out eventually, in 1964, the hospital (laughs) started to house, help, clothe, feed, and heal the local Chileans. He had local Chileans come around. 63, the boy escapes, right? Is Mm -hmm. that right? Is that what you yep, said? Goes to the um, news 63, outlets, the yeah. boy escapes. 67, or no, 68. Was that right? No, 67. 67, he was sued 67 by the 67 was yep. when he was sued, but now we're hopping back to 64 when the hospital opened. So this yep. is how they got money to eventually sue him, basically. Is well, what, they, is had, what they had money coming in from other they means. They got the clout. The hospital yeah. was free. The hospital was free. Of course. So yeah. they like did any not good charge. Hospital. Yeah. yeah. They did not charge anything. It, it's pretty crazy, but obviously- He's trying to get a bunch of boys to come to the freaking hospital and heal <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, it's a little bit weird that it's a boys-only hospital. <laughs> and it says, well, St. No, Schaefer what's... Night School Boys-Only Hospital Salvation Services of St. Schaefer. <laughs> yeah. Grand opening. Like, it's just like, it, you can only be under, like, 14, but if you're 16, you have to look, like, like younger than that. Like, 15, maybe 14. But... Anybody older, I'm sorry, we just, our medicine's not so advanced. We can't take you in. (laughs) Well, you know, and and I want to be honest about this, you know, putting Schaefer aside, like, this is a great thing for people that did not have help anywhere near this, you know, and it's in a lot of the people that are in this cult are not bad people, you know, and I want to say, like, we should, we always have to, like, think about it. But like some of them have no idea what's going on. Yeah, sometimes they overlook things when they shouldn't be overlooking things. But most of these people came here to help people. They came here to give out medicine. They came out to to build a community. You're 100% right. But that is the exact seed that lives within um, the main the main fat. Right, the main fat behind colonization. After you kind of yep. you get oh, the sure. you get the bones, you get the meat, then the actual fat, the actual like body of colonization always exists on um look at what incredible service we're bringing to an area of folks that need so much help. Yep. Right. And like yeah. It's it's the same thing behind colonization, it's the same thing behind like missionary work. Yep. Right. It's a St. Karen fucking move. It's yep. it's coming in and being like, because you said right from the start, uh, was it 24 miles yep. from the nearest city? Yep. 40, they about 40 are, kilometers. Yep. Yeah. They're in the middle of the fucking jungle. That's yep. just straight up what it is. It's, it's a mountain region. It's jungle. If you build a hospital and put up a giant sign that says free, yeah. guess what people will do in the cases of emergency? They'll come to bring their their loved ones, the people that they would literally mm-hmm. sacrifice anything for, even their own faith, yep. right? In yes. order to yep. see their mother survive, their sister who who's you know has appendicitis, who like you know all these things that like for modern, um, even at the time like medical advancements are simple surgeries, simple fixes, simple you know this, that, and the other. Do you know what somebody will do to save their family member? So yep. honestly, a lot of these great services, they come at the cost of, wow, they look so great on the surface, uh-huh. right? 
But the actual trade that happens is people's culture, their religion, their yep. every fucking thing. Because guess what? You know, we're not you and I, we're not the only ones that would sacrifice anything for the ones we love. Even if that yep. means our faith, our culture, our heritage, our tradition, <laughs> everything. Agreed. No, like, everybody hey, would. You can come here. If you go to our church on Saturday, if you go to our yep. church on Sunday, if you go to this, if you go to that, well, hey, yep. I'm I'm glad you're so thankful. You know, honestly, you don't need to pay us anything, but um, but you know, Schaefer does encourage all of the people that come here to stay in contact so we can know how they're feeling. So da 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 da. So every Saturday we give out this and we da 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 da. And like, this is how indoctrination works. And I'm sorry to go on yeah. that very long rant, but you are right. It is a good thing. But with the stipulations I know are fucking coming, it is a terrible thing. <laughs> Sorry. Just I'm, as I'm I said up. earlier. I'm backing up. Agreed. Backing up. No, just as I said earlier in agreeing, the highway to hell is paved in good intentions. Mm. That, I think, is such a great quote for that yeah. colonization in that kind of way. And, like, the, and you know, not always colonizing <laughs> is, is, is with good intentions, but in this specific intention, this is a good intention, but it paves the highway to hell because all this shit happens after it because people, you know, took the ideas that was going to happen, used it for their benefit. Well, the hospital had planes, ambulances, and nurses. So even to nail home the point and what came to be a horrible foreshadowing, Paul Schaefer, who would be in the hospital most every day, would put on a doctor's outfit at the hospital and especially would play up the part when he was, I mean, you can probably guess it. A pediatrician. When he was looking at young boys. There was a story that one of the one of the uh, local families, one of the native people told, native Chileans told, was that her son, the family's son, went to the hospital. He had some kind of cough or something at the time. They took him to the hospital. You know, he, you know the doctor looked at him. Basically then, you know, and then left. And then he sent a message to them that said the boy had to come back and he could never go back to his family. Why? There was a, I, I, don't, I don't honestly remember the whole, the whole thing and I'll, I'll reiterate it on the second one, but he basically yeah, yeah. just convinced them that the boy could never come back to them and they, not understanding what was happening in some ways, let it yeah. happen. And he became oh. a member of the colony. Oh, Fuck, dude. It was, it's actually horribly sad. And then he, yeah, without knowing it, too. And it's so sad because now he was stuck there and he couldn't go. His family was in the town near them, but he oh, couldn't dude. go because they wouldn't let him. So he was, like, straight up captured by the cult from this hospital. He was pretty much kidnapped. Yep. Well, it's very, and held it's ransom. very sad and held to inform. <laughs> it's very sad to inform you, but he seems to have captured a highly communicable disease called the um the um the Schaefer sniffles. Yeah. And yeah. and and now that he has the Schaefer sniffles, he has to live in the colony with the other folks who have the Schaefer sniffles. Kind of like leprosy uh-huh. islands, kind of like that. Yeah. It's like there there are leopard. The, your your boy has the leopards. But like, not like the ones that you pet or try to pet. That motherfucker bit me. <laughs> yeah. Well, at this time, in the mid-1960s, the financial director of the colony, Kurt Schnellenkamp, who was also German, mm-hmm. obviously, most of the people were, 
found out that they weren't making enough money to keep the colony going, right? You know, they were basically just building stuff. They're cutting logs. They were growing food, but they couldn't <laughs> continue. No matter how many logs we cut, we're not making more money. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't make any more money. So they, 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 he's like, well, how can we bring in some money? Because we can't just die out. You know, we need money. You know, we have that hospital over there. No, no, no. That's for the school. We can't go to the hospital. <laughs> That's the night school. <laughs> but uh, yeah. so to bring in some money, the guy, the on a smart move, he bought a stone crusher. Okay. It was just this random stone crusher. And then he built <laughs> about a 40-foot chute himself. He built a 40-foot chute for the stone crusher. Yeah, yeah. It's 16 cult it's members hands, on a conveyor belt hands, and hammers. Yeah. That's all. That's all. <laughs> Fucking well, half of them, that, yeah, they don't even have hammers. They're just using their hands yeah, to smash their hands, stones. Yeah, against their head. Um, well, <laughs> after, after that, they started outsourcing the stone and started doing metal work. So they were basically using the stones. They were getting a, a lot of people in there started getting like specific skills because before they were growing food. They were just, I mean, those are also skills, but they were just all doing everything. And at this time, people started, I guess, in a way, started making their own life, their private life. Right. And this is what they were promised. OK, so, so they're at community level. Communist society, my friend, they're getting there. Yep. Yep. Which is great because this is what they needed to survive and this is perfect for them. Yeah. But it's not technically a communist society if you look at the definition of it because yeah. they literally had a dictator over top of all of them. Schaefer was making every move. Yeah. You just know? like same was... as there's no such thing as a capitalist society. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and it technically what it what communism turns into, what capitalism eventually turns into, you have dictators. Yeah. They just take over. It's all everything goes to the same thing. So yeah, everything was put together for the greater good, and there was actually abundance for everyone. There were dances, fun activities planned for everyone. Shit. And I know okay. you're gonna okay. say what's crazy. They did have dances, and they were having fun. And even with the background of the sexual abuse going on, which was still uh -huh. on the down low, you know, people okay. weren't talking about it. Wasn't in quotations happening in front of people's minds because they weren't seeing the children, right? They only mm -hmm. see them sometimes at dances, but they weren't seeing them living their daily life. Yeah, they, they were working during their the asses day. Off. The kids yeah, go yeah. to night school in this narrative, yeah. but yeah, people, yeah, people were still living lives the best as they could, right? Because that's kind of yeah, you do, you do, you make life yeah. work. Well, on one night at one of the dances, a uh -huh. young girl danced with a young boy. Uh oh, and that ended all of the fun. Schaefer got jealous. And use there needs to be nine inches, nine inches. There needs to be space for Schaefer. I mean, God between you. Okay, you must separate. Hey, he destroyed everything after that. He just started freaking out and like smashing shit. No, he destroyed the whole thing. You know, the oh, whole damn. good feeling that damn. everybody was having. Everybody was yeah. living. Like they actually you know, had a this moment. This is the. This is the turn. This is, you know, you have that parabolic, you know, when everyone's going up, yeah. you're like, okay, cool. This is so good. This is so good. bell curve. He got, yeah. yeah the, <laughs> I like that. We're going to use that. He got, yeah. this is the top of it because right after that, and people in the documentary said, this is the night it changed. Damn. He started, he used God to admonish everyone for everything they had done wrong. Everything oh, was a Hitler. sin. Yeah, yeah. Just like I said in the beginning, everything was a sin. Schaefer, mm. like we had talked about earlier, 
was the route to God. And so he yeah. started doing these private confessions mm-hmm. with everyone. So he started being their preacher. But what that was for was to gather intel on everyone, how they thought, what they did Damn. wrong, if they thought they did stuff wrong, if they were oh. thinking about doing stuff wrong. And he Damn. got in everybody's head. This is the next step. He jumped up. You know, he already had these people's hearts and now he's going for their minds. From like from 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 Scientology to Jonestown to like mm-hmm. you fucking name a cult. This this is if I had to sit there and write out what are the things every cult should do, this is the fucking move. But this is before that's even put into a textbook. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He he just he like, saw the th- moment. He saw the natural. moment, I think. Yep. He's a fucking natural and, shitbag. Yes. Like, damn. And at this point, you know, he was getting their confessions every other day. It was mm-hmm. in between one to three days he would do confessions with everybody. So damn. people, because they thought he was their, you know, he was their yeah. preacher. He they was didn't their think route. of him as a spiritual Gestapo. They thought he yeah, was They a, didn't think he, he was, was basically a bad guy. their pope. Yeah. yeah. And so people would tell him everything, right? They thought and felt Shit. like when you go to confession in the Catholic Church- but it's like Catholic... I really don't like red on on my body, you know. what I'm saying it's great for other people, but like he's like, oh fuck, why did I tell him tell everything? But it's like you know, it's like when I go and I get my nails done and said so like red is your color, and I'm like honestly, like I don't think red is my color. It's much more like a autumn, like a fall. You know what I mean? Do do you agree with me, Schaefer? Yeah, I hundred percent agree with it. Why did I tell them tell me everything? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. You know and... there, you know there was some reject. Like confessions yeah, that, that just happened where he's too like, much. Yeah, he's like, oh. fuck, I have to keep this going, but I really wish they would shut up. <laughs> yeah. And he would he would ask them leading questions, lead lead them more into different mm. things to get them to tell them more. And yeah, even when they weren't thinking about stuff, get them to confess things they might not even have done. So mm. he had got into their mind this much. And yeah, obviously, like he was gonna do. He started using mm. these as reasons to punish people to make them comply with the rules and the goings-ons at Colonial Dignidad. That Schaefer swivel. To punish people, they yes, he swiveled very quickly into this. They would use a wooden stick <laughs> and beat the, quotations, sinner until they complied. They would beat them so hard, the bruises wouldn't just be blue, but go straight to black. And one of the colonists described it as you were beaten for so long and so hard that you didn't feel anything anymore. And you would do anything just to comply with them with whatever they wanted. And it wasn't like, so think about this. So it wasn't just Schaefer beating these people. He was delegating these tasks to people in the cult. And so like, if you look at Jonestown in just that lens, Jim Jones did the same thing. He had people also help, yeah, uh, help punish people, and yeah, at he a was making level. it a a thing, you know, a yeah. like you do you do for us, and we're trying to do this for you because you're a sinner. We want you to understand that you're a sinner. You know, you can't do this. You have to stop, even if it's just the made up thing that you didn't do. Well, like all governing bodies, you have to institutionalize your insanity. One of the main functions of all law enforcements and laws and legalities are our governing bodies is to hold a monopoly on the legitimate use of violence, 
right? Yeah. And the only way that you can do that, especially if you're going, you know, the cult route in this case, yes. is to is to come in and to desensitize, um, you know, your most ardent like believers. Mm-hmm. You know, your most ardent supporters, right? The people that are really the fucking diehards, desensitize them to their to your wishes, right? Desensitize yeah. them to your wishes and then have them en- enacted, have them acted out. And that allows you to control more people. Because if he was trying yep. to do this all on his own, like, how would he write his itinerary for his night school? He couldn't even have time for that. <laughs> he couldn't know? do that, no. Yeah, and, so he and, needs he needs enforcers. Yep, and perfectly lining up with how he starts preaching in this part mm. of it because he's mm. preaching in before you know he's te- preaching his normal doctrine but now he's he's shifting it a, just a little bit a shape right? a shift so yeah yeah shape a shift so he preached that anyone who wants to be big must serve others only the glory of god rules this place mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. He used this to make everyone take all of their private belongings and burn them in the middle of the colony. Mostly spicy potatoes at this point. Yes. Like, what did these people own at this point? Well, they took some of their stuff, their pictures, their, like, their stuff from home, from Germany, you know? They they brought it with them, so they still had some of this stuff. And he said, private belongings, that's a cancer. Can't have that anymore. You can't be part of God's. God's chosen yeah. and have private belongings. It's okay. everybody's belongings. So yeah. he burned, he made, and he made them burn everything. He I didn't say how, f- how funny would it be if like for the private belongings, <laughs> this is fucked up, but if you're running a cult, um, so uh, uh, shout out to the chicken cult. Um, you uh-huh. know, folks that have been with us for a while know exactly what we're talking about. Gavin. Always thinking of you, my man. Um, Yes, sir. So when you're running your cult and when you get to this stage, right, not saying you went this route, um, you are a better person than this. You're not going to go the whole... Much better. (laughs) Catholic, church, strong German accent around. You're going to go a different way. You're actually going to try to do some cool shit. Anyways, when you get to this point, right, and it's just like... Get rid of your personal possessions. I think what would be a better mental fuck for everybody is not that you burn all of your personal possessions, but if you take them and you have to swap them with other people's houses. (laughs) Because how much would that fuck with your head if every day you woke up and it's like somebody else's mom and dad, and they're not even a matching pair, are like (laughs) portraits on your wall and like the trophies in your house are from sports you never fucking played. Like you never got into bocce ball and just like all (laughs) of this. Well, you did, Joey. I mean, you are bocce ball champion. But like, you know, like, (laughs) but like how fucking weird would it be if you go into your house your physical family, 100% accurate. Yeah. But all of your distant family and all of the references around you, around your family's history, are just a total amalgamation of just, like, fuckery. I think that's a better move than burning. I'm just going to say it. You would probably gonna... think that you're in a, another dimension, that, you know, that you still have yeah, the same family, it... but you just did different things. So that would be a complete mind screw, screw up. Yeah. So as I was saying, he made them burn all their private belongings in the middle of the colony. This was the last piece of the puzzle in the total and utter isolation from their own selves. They were not individual people anymore. 
individual lives or private property. It was all colonia dignidad. They served it, and they served him. To nail this home, one of the colonists that came there had asked about private residences instead of, you know, they were living in dorm-like places they stayed in, right? So they built these big yeah. dorm-like places. They're all staying together, which, to be fair, Schaefer, when they went over there, promised them that they were going to have this. This was going to be the next step. Okay. He responded to them, to him by saying, aren't we one big family? Wreck that guy. And this Damn. is the beginning. He then had a meeting. Yeah. And it was a men's assembly, right? With about 50 people. Of course. People. Yeah. There was one seat empty at the uh -oh. moment at the table. And on the chair was uh -huh. labeled traitor. Oh. And it was set aside for the man <laughs> who asked about the private residences. Damn. And they all so watched him sit had a down. Flair for drama. Yes, he did too. I mean, Damn. obviously he's so, he's great at this. Like I he's, have a he's I have a respect for the. I always have a respect for a strong level of pettiness. I'll even yep. I'll even give it to them. Like that is a level of pettiness that is just. Yep. Well, and and I want to go into something. One of the things that he was preaching at this time, right? So Schaefer preached something called the Ladder Rain Doctrine which he also learned from William Branham. Right? Oh, okay. So the latter rain doctrine basically says, like most apocalyptic callings, that Jesus is coming back again, right? And the end of times are near. Hence, a new day. the latter rain. It uh -huh. was named after a Bible passage, Joel 2, chapter 23 through 29, where the term latter rain occurs. And it was very prominent acceptance and encouragement of spirit baptism speaking in tongues prophecy miracles and other spiritual gifts mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. allowed him to keep the idea of judgment day over everyone's heads as well as get them to do all that he asked so now he's like Damn. judgment day's coming jesus is coming yeah. back he had already preached some of this before but now he's like getting real into it judgment day's yeah. coming Jesus is coming back. We have to get more spiritual and go over the top more. Yeah. I want ton speaking in tongues. Full I want prophecy, baby. He yeah, he's ready to go. He he's getting it into everyone's head that every detail, just like he did with the private residences, and it's just the little things that now Fuck. he's preaching this because he's after so he did the good. one thing, he started preaching about it. So they accepted this, saying. Well, it's for God, so we have to sacrifice it. Dude, this piece of shit is so fucking uh -huh. good, right? Yep. Like, he is the Art Bell of cults. This dude is just pioneering, which is pushing everybody else out of the way. God and damn. at this time, and his next move, separate the sexes. Of course. Yep, that's the next one. God, if you damn. can't, you you make it so they they never see each other. Schaefer put women and little girls in one complete dormitory and put yeah. all the boys in the other one. This also made it easier for him to molest the boys. So it's yeah, okay, everybody. Yeah. I put also girls with the cooties over there. Okay, slumber party pillow fight over yep. here, yeah. <laughs> How old are you? Seventeen. Get out. Get the fuck out. Go, yep. go, get the fuck out. <laughs> yep, and they would never see each other as long as they were at the colony. Shit. And that's crazy. 
the women the women and girls were forced into fields to work by being and being beaten by whips uh-huh and almost put chains on them like they were slaves in a field and if they didn't yeah. work hard enough they would just get beaten by whips and harder and harder and working again from sunup until sundown but now they're starting to feed them less they're starting to How? treat them like they're not people anymore so How they How long did this go on? This is four, five years. I mean, the cult lasted way, way longer, but this is a span of four to five to six years, right? Yeah. So, working from sunup to sundown, and throughout the horrors everyone was facing, Schaefer was still continuing to keep up the appearances of the amazing colony that everyone should aspire to, right? Yeah. He had dignitaries visit from all over. Lots of German people coming. Lots of Chilean people coming. He was making propaganda videos and distributing through them Chile through, throughout Chile and other countries, saying, "Look at us! Yeah, look at us! Look how great this wow. this working German community is. We're doing this amazing thing." And in the documentary yeah. that I referenced earlier, there's so much footage of the propaganda videos because the the video person was just on site. He was just filming. Everything that was good, obviously, not everything that was happening bad, but that's how propaganda works. And while these videos were circulating, right, Schaefer started meeting with politicians, businessmen, important people around the area. He was gaining his network. He started building his safety net, as it were. He had judges on his side. So when the rumors went around that he was molesting and sexually abusing boys, judges would just throw away the charges. He was almost above the law. Damn. Well, a few papers there. I mean, there were still a few paper, papers smearing his name, right? Calling him a pedophile. Yeah. And in 1967, he was acquitted of any and all possible crimes. Just flat out. He had one charge from from what's his name? Like, you know, he was the the uh, ambassador was trying dude. to get him on charges. The German ambassador. Remember the dude that was protecting Wolfgang? Yeah. Yep. Was trying to get him. The judges threw it all out. Everything's gone. So, damn. Yeah. Damn. And in 1967, when he was acquitted, he was like, you know what? Let's celebrate. So he brought over 3,000 people on a couple days to come visit the colony, showing off what? to everyone how beautiful and dignified this colony was. And below <laughs> all of this was a horrifying underground of pedophilia, horrific brutality, and horrific conditions. And we haven't even gotten to the next part of this which we'll have in next week's episode because it's the end of part one. Next week, we're going to get into probably one of Gil's favorite parts, the social change in Chile, the crazy ways that the colony stayed in business, and Paul Schaefer's eventual downfall. And I want to say that because it's not close. <laughs> we'll also add in some conspiracies that are connected to them from other countries. Not going to hint at the U.S. being part of some of those conspiracies that happened in this country, but now I'm hinting it. Thank you so <laughs> much for listening. And this week, we're giving shout-outs to some awesome people that have helped Gil and I get over a year doing this podcast. Damien. <laughs> Damien. Kristen. Yep. Kristen. Kristen. Yep. Whitney. Whitney. Thank you. Thank you. Morgan. Morgan. Girl. Yep. Always there. Each week, we'll be giving shout-outs to people who helped us get here. So, thank you. Yeah. Also, we have badass stickers that we want to get to you. Please message us on Instagram, 
email at contact at blackcat.report, or maybe send a carrier pigeon. I hope you've trained it to find us, <laughs> like Gil is training the crows outside of his house for things. A little over a year and a half, but allegedly. Um, but I, I do want to jump in there. So um, the top link, if you, right now, if you've managed to make it this far, you deserve this, all right? You've been abused mm-hmm. enough. You've been tortured enough. You've faced the hardships of this world enough. And as a reward, you deserve a free sticker, maybe even two. You will be in the exclusive club of folks that are about to see our new branding, our new logo. There will be a change in our logo coming up very soon. Now, I'm only telling you mm-hmm. this because you made it like an hour plus into this episode. You, you're yep. our diehards. <laughs> you're our homies. We love you. Um, we got a new logo, new branding coming out, right? Um, and you will get a copy of that along with a squonk sticker. But here's the fucking thing. There's only, and I took down a note, 13 stickers left for us to send out joey and i we're meeting up over the next couple of days every single person that fills out the form which will be the top link wherever the fuck you're at if you look there will be a thing it'll say squonk stickers you click it it'll ask for your name shipping address because i don't know how the fuck else to get something to you um and it'll be like hey success after you fill it out that's just going straight to us. I set up that form personally. That's on my services, my account. It's not being sold to a third party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you fill that out, we will be sending you um, uh, special stickers, custom stickers of a squonk, and our new logo. Pew. Right. And taking the time over this next week to actually fill out a message to you. Um, we we want to ring in the new year with gifts. So, yes, please, please, please take a moment to just click the link. It takes five seconds. Give us give us the name you want it to be shipped to and the address you want it to be shipped to. You could totally make up the address. I'm going to put a stamp on that envelope anyways. I'm going to ship it out. Some random motherfucker is going to get the sticker. Um, it, it's up to you where it goes. But exactly. just had to throw yep. that in there. Thank you, Joey, for letting me steal the mic there for a second. All good. Thank you guys for listening. We love you. See you next week on part two. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that was a fucking great episode, my man. That was Yeah. That was fucking awesome. So, do you want to hear about the sarin gas and AK forty sevens that they're gonna produce next what week? The fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Yeah, they go there. It's pretty fucked, honestly. <laughs> oh my god. Join us next week? I don't know. I don't know what the fuck to say. I'm cutting the I'm cutting the camera. I'm cutting the camera. <laughs>